0: Lee Chantel, welcome back to Eco Radio. Um, We've been talking about your role as a vegan veteran and animal rights activist, uh, but you are very active in the space of digital wellness. These days, how did you get from one um, area to the other? What's been your journey?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I've been um, doing the vegan and activist stuff for 20 odd years, and I just totally got burnt out, to be honest. And, um, you know, I ran um, some not for profits, I put on Green Earth Festival, that some of your listeners might remember from 2010, that was Brisbane's first all vegan environmental festival. Um, and, yeah, I've done a heap of stuff over the years. Most recently I was uh, president of the Vegetarian Vegan Society, but, yeah, the past three years I've been studying psychology, so I had to pretty much stop everything I was doing, all my volunteer stuff, all my activism, and change my world and just focus on something for me for a while, and it's been really good actually. um, I felt like a lot of weight had lifted from my shoulders, and, yeah, I'm very interested in the cyber- psychology field and i'm in particularly interested in like digital communication and digital wellness so that's sort of where i am at the moment and i'm in my honor year at the moment
0: so is that need to nurture yourself um you know part of the reason you started to think about how people should nurture themselves in the digital space
1: Mm, may, yeah, maybe. Um, I remember because I've been in the social media um, marketing scene for a long time, so I did that for uh, 15 or so years. So that was my job and um, I did that for many clients and also, you know, taught people, did consulting and a lot of speaking about, um, you know, how to set up advertising online, how to measure your return of in- from investment and, you um, how things work, what doesn't work, doing content creation, all that stuff. So I think knowing that side of things helped me to understand that we don't necessarily need it. And um, I think one of the things that happened uh, quite a few years ago now, um, one of my friends who was well-known in the vegan scene as a nutritionist In America she decided to not be vegan and there was a total uproar about this and people were sending hate and threats to her child and horrible stuff from vegans and I was like this is horrific like this is a horrible way to treat someone just because they no longer agree with what we agree with and it didn't mean she was a different person it just meant she was no longer vegan And a lot of people are attached to this as an identity. So I assume that was sort of why they got so upset. But I remember then um, I had a bit of a break. I had to consciously decide to have a break from that because it was really horrible. And people that were my friends were saying horrible things to her as well and I just couldn't understand that. And I just made a conscious decision to just do the stuff I had to for my work. So I'd go on Monday, Wednesday and Friday on social media And I realised, wow, I can still do my work on those days without being online every day, without checking in all the time and, you know, I'm still able to live. The sun still rises, you know, um, and it was a really, really good lesson for me. So that was probably, uh, that was about 10 or so years ago now. So that was sort of the beginning of it, to be honest, Jeff. And then now that I'm not doing as much activism and the vegan stuff from, like, my viva VivaLeVegan.net website, which was, like, daily content for a long time, I don't need to do it as much. You know, I've got other priorities. And I'm very interested in why things work. You know, at the moment with all the COVID stuff, why do people believe this and why are people into conspiracy theories? Do people understand that the reason some people are believing this is because they're seeing totally different things based on an algorithm that other people are not seeing, you know, and I don't think that people understand those things enough.
0: And how do you perceive the role that the digital communication has played in conspiracy theories and those negative aspects of what you've just described?
1: Well, um I would say I have a big problem with a lot of the technology companies because they've been allowed to do a lot of things without any form of legislation or anything for, for many years, okay? Um, so that's one issue. That's quite a big issue that's very, very hard to change now. But the other side of that would be we've been taught from, say, Facebook who said you have to post more um, visual. We want to see more um photos, videos, memes, short snippets of information that people don't have to think about too much. And over time, we've allowed our language and we've allowed our communication to go along the same way. We communicate in emojis or things like that. We don't have in-depth conversations with people. So there's a lot of this stuff that happens in the online space that drifts down or comes across or merges with us in real life. And you can't necessarily, like, you know, when I first got into this, you could totally separate online versus offline, but you really can't anymore. There's not that much of a separation anymore. And for me, I'd love everyone to not have Facebook. I'd love everyone to not be as attached to their phone, but it's not realistic. So to me it's finding that digital equilibrium. I love that word. And it's like that balance. How do we use the things that we need to use but not let technology use us how do we you know connect with the people we need to but still develop meaningful interactions that aren't just based on algorithms or outrage
0: and so how had what techniques have you just used to discover digital equilibrium
1: well for me it's um you know boundaries so um as with I hope people have boundaries with other people in their life. So it's the same sort of thing. You know, it's like for me, whenever I'm studying, my phone's always without, um, out of my reach. So it takes me effort to be able to reach my phone and to see what's happening. I never have um, my phone, I always have my phone on silent so I can't hear what's happening. Um, and I have things like grayscale on my phone, where if you've seen notifications that you get on your phone, like the apps, they've come up a bright red, and that red is encouraging your brain to go, oh, my God, there's something I have to interact with, and people do it automatically without thinking. So by having the grayscale on my screen, you can do that on Android and Apple, by the way, Um, it's preventing you from getting caught up in that I have to react to this red thing, and um, it's reinforcing a behaviour. And, and
0: what about the passive our passive engagement in those tech companies' collection of data? You know, location on our phone, things yeah. like
1: that. Well, things like that. Like I never have my um, location on, for example. Mind you, if you're using phone and you're, you and it's on, that you will your location has to be found by the um, the um, what are they the yeah the network, the towers, the three towers either. Um, side of you will always find where you are so there's that aspect you don't have control over but the thing is you can have control over a lot more things like I'm never logged into anything I've never even had Facebook on my phone for example I've never logged into Google on my phone I'm very aware of those sort of things and I think a lot more people need to be more aware of that and actually like you mentioned about the passive stuff You know, you can passively allow all this stuff to happen or you can put all these boundaries in place that help you mentally, that um, actually help um, put a barrier in between companies making more money from your information just to give you more targeted advertising so you can buy stuff and so you can consume more and participate in our capitalist society.
0: (laughs) Um, Sometimes the decisions that we make to keep ourselves independent of those networks are overridden by assumptions that organisations make on our behalf. I'm thinking of things like MyGov. You cannot engage with government departments without a smartphone that can receive the code that lets you in. There are increasingly requirements to participate through your phone. Yes. How do you think we disengage from those kinds of techniques?
1: Well, I think you can't necessarily do that, but the uh, more... important question for me at that would be accessibility not everyone has the same amount of accessibility like by us saying that sort of thing I was thinking when you were saying that oh you need a phone for that you could also go to the library or you could go somewhere well not at the moment you might not be able to go to the library but you could go to spaces that have internet access but yeah if you had a two-factor authentication or something like that on your phone that you needed to have then um, you would need something separate to a website to be able to um, access that. So, yes, that is an issue. And not everyone, like, you know, with all the lockdowns that happened originally, we noticed that not everyone was able to learn, like the kids that are, um, you know, not able to go to school. A large majority of people who are vulnerable kids from in particular outback areas and low socioeconomic children were not able to access the same information as other kids and also if you add to that a lot of um, schools that are higher socioeconomic have more access or their parents have ipads or this or that at home so they've had more interaction with technology so it wasn't as hard a transition for when they had to learn online than it was for other people who are not as who don't have the accessibility and in particular from a low socioeconomic aspect
0: so, what would you say to people who are listening to us now, saying, "Oh my goodness, you know, how do I? What do I do? How do I manage myself from here, from this point on?"
1: Um, I think the biggest thing is turn off your notifications. Um, that's really distracting, um, and you only need notifications from people, um, and that is like your. If you get a call from someone. If you use a messaging app, for example, Signal, um, WhatsApp, um, things like that, that's fine. Have those notifications on, but you do not need any other notifications on your phone. If you if you check something like I love Twitter, for example, but I go onto Twitter, you know, once or twice a day just to check what's happening, um, but I don't have to have notifications from Twitter on my phone. And um, yeah, I just work out. Another thing is to be just really conscious because i think a lot of people are just unconsciously using their phone and unconsciously making a lot of choices in life to be honest and that can you know lead to veganism and other thoughts but um if you are conscious and go why am i on my phone at the moment am i bored am i upset am i trying to get soothed by something that doesn't is, is not a person or is not probably that helpful for me then that's probably not a healthy way of doing that. If you're just trying to keep, you know, go on and check your emails or check your um, Instagram or whatever once a day, maybe, you know, before you you have dinner or something, don't use the phone at the table or when you're having um, lunch or something with people, you know, just try and be in the present with people and appreciate real interactions with real people and, really try and focus on building those sort of relationships.
0: Now, it might seem counterintuitive to send people online to find out more. But where where can people go to find out more about digital wellness?
1: So I'm setting up something at the moment because I'm um, in the middle of my honours thesis at the moment. Um, So at the end of the year, I'll have a more specific website launched. But you can find me on leechantel.com. You can also find um, Epicenter Equilibrium, which is my speaking and consulting stuff. And for the vegan stuff, you can find me on VivaLeVegan.net. And I'm on your yeah, Twitter and begrudgingly Facebook with Lee Chantel. And you can also have a look on YouTube for a lot of vegan interviews like my vegan athletes and some other stuff. Um, on Viva Vegan dot net YouTube channel and the Lee Chantel YouTube channel has a few videos about that, but not that many yet.
0: Excellent. Thanks very much. Let's leave it there.
1: Thank you so much, Jeff, for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening.